Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. We are in this series called All In, and we're talking about how do we as Christians live out our faith and live out the truth of Jesus Christ in a world that is against us, in a world that is not for us, that is not supporting our beliefs. How do we stand for Christ in a world that stands for everything else? And this week, uh, much like last week, we're going to cover an entire chapter. Last week, uh, Pastor Dale covered all of chapter two, and this week we're going to cover all of chapter three. And so I want to dive in and I want to get get into the passage with you. But before we do, I want to read for you from First Peter, because this is kind of going to set the stage for us. First Peter chapter two, verse 12 through 15. Listen to what it says. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, I don't know for certain that Peter was thinking about Daniel chapter 3 when he wrote those words. But as we walk through 1 Peter, as I'm walking through 1 Peter right now in my own devotion time, it's obvious to me that Peter and Daniel were in, written in similar situations and that Peter has a mindset that is similar to that of the characters that we see in Daniel and the, the historical figures we see here. And as we come to chapter three, we're, we're learning about the other three guys, right? So in chapter one and two, uh, we read about Daniel and we read about Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah and they get their names changed and Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah get theirs changed to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And that's how we know them. And as we come to chapter three, enough has happened time frame wise that those names, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, are no longer being used. We're now talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this passage in chapter 3. Now, last week, as we talked about chapter 2, last week as we were looking through that, uh, Daniel went to these guys and he got help from them. And then we hear that when the king's mind is transformed by Daniel being revealed, having the, the dream of that came to him in the middle of the night, revealed to him and the reason for the dream and what it meant from Daniel as God worked through Daniel to reveal that to him, that Daniel gets put into a high position. And then Daniel promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to govern in the province of Babylon. Now, I don't know where Daniel is during this story in chapter three, but I do know that these three guys were left in this province to help govern. 
Now, here's the story, and I'm not going to read all of it for you, but I, I do want you to know the story. So Nebuchadnezzar, the same king, the same king that has just been uh, in chapter two convinced of who God is by this dream thing, uh, during this time has lost sight of that again. He once again is, is no longer honoring God as the supreme ruler of the universe. And he decides to set up an idol of gold. Now, this is how we know that in spite of the fact that oftentimes rulers and leaders in the world will see the power of God and they will understand that God is powerful and mighty, it doesn't mean it changes their hearts. And so we live among kings and rulers and governors who don't always reflect the way of God. And we live that today here in America. And we've been living that way for some time. There are times when our rulers acknowledge God and times when they don't. But unless their hearts are surrendered to God, they're not part of the kingdom of God. And we need to be careful to not set rulers up as idols and not to allow their idols to get in our way. But more than that, we live in a culture right now that is setting idols up for us all the time. In every way, this culture is trying to set things in front of us that we need to, that they want us to lift high and revere. And some of those things are just, um, they're just not God. And other things are ungodly. But either way, anytime an idol, anytime a, um, a, something else in our world is set up before us as something that we give our heart, our devotion, our time, our energy to pursue more than we do God, more than we do the kingdom of God, then they become an idol. And that is wrong. And we have them in our lives and they're all around us. And we've got to be careful not to let idols pull us down. So here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar sets up a golden image. Okay. He sets up an idol that is six cubits wide. That, that's a big, wide idol, okay? It's six cubits wide, and it is 60 cubits high. It's a tall, big statue of gold. And we don't know if it was just a, just a big thing of gold or if it had shape to it. We, we don't know. We just know it was huge, okay? It was this huge pillar of gold that that Nebuchadnezzar set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And then Nebuchadnezzar sends word to all the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the judges and the magistrates and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image of Nebuchadnezzar, the king, that he set up. And when they all come together and they're assembled, here's the command they're given by the herald from the king. To you the command is given, verse 4. O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. You will do it my way or you will die. This is how Nebuchadnezzar works. We learned this last week. You will do it my way or you will die. 
And Nebuchadnezzar sets up all his wise men that are there to fail if they believe in a different God. They, what Nebuchadnezzar wants is complete control. And anytime our rulers and our leaders can draw in our control, uh, control of us, and they can get us to worship or idolize or set something up is more important than the kingdom of God, then they can trap us and they can control us. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar wants to do here. And so we got to be very careful. How do we stand in a world that's trying to get us to commit idolatry almost every day, all around us, it's happening. And so basically, the liars play, the music plays, everybody does their thing, everybody falls down in worship, but the Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar's king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree to every man who hears the sound of the horn. And then they repeat what the decree was. But there are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now remember, King Nebuchadnezzar hadn't set them up. Daniel had under Nebuchadnezzar's authority. But the, the Chaldeans didn't like the fact that these Jews were, were promoted above them. And so because of that, in their jealousy, they try to bring them down. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. So Nebuchadnezzar flies into a rage. The, the Bible says that his face was changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what that means is... Before, Nebuchadnezzar had always been honored, had always honored Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had always lifted them up. He had always seen them with grace. He had always seen them with kindness. And why not? Their friend Daniel, who had put them in this position, had helped the king more than any kings before him, had translated and, and seen into his dreams. God had moved through Daniel, so why wouldn't he honor these men too? And my guess is they'd done good things for the king. They'd lift him up, and yet, because of the jealousy of a few men and the arrogance of a leader, they are now going to be thrown into the furnace. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar gets so mad that he has them stoke the furnace to make it seven times hotter. Now, I don't know how they measured seven times hotter in Babylon, but somehow they knew it was seven times hotter than it was before. And I don't know what that was. The reality is, because this is biblical text, maybe maybe it's just saying uh, as much hotter as it could possibly get. But we do know this. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were getting ready to, when, when the, burnace, the furnace is being built up and it gets even hotter, the king comes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says to them, he says, listen, if you will repent, if you'll do what I'm asking you to do, then we can we can wipe the slate clean. If you'll just worship my idol that I set up, if you'll worship me, if you'll put me ahead of God, we can wipe the slate clean, we can move on. But if you do not, I've made if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar has decided that he is more powerful than God. 
And he's decided that he is more important and that if these men are not going to follow him, then he's going to be cast down. Now, this is the situation that, that Peter found himself in. And in many ways, this is the situation Christians all over the world find themselves in today. Just this week, we were praying for a couple of believers who are in prison. They are in prison because they are proselytizing people to Jesus. They are telling people about the risen Lord. And because of that, they've been thrown in prison. And when they were thrown in prison, they were thrown in prison with some others, and four of them have recanted. They've said, okay, we we deny Jesus. We'll, we'll, We'll go back. We don't want to die. But these two that we've been praying for, these two have said, no, we won't change. And this is the situation Christians find themselves in all all over the world. Now, here in America, oftentimes, we feel like we're getting punished the same way by our government. We're not. Um, uh, the, The truth is that while the tide is turning against us more and more, and this current what's being called cancel culture, Um, there are people who will eliminate you from their friends list. They will eliminate your ability to talk. They will blacklist you if you don't agree with their sinful ideas. While that is true, nobody's dying for their faith in America. Not at least because of the rulers here in America. And so listen to me. We Americans need to be very careful that we understand that while this passage gives us a template for how to stand, even when our faith brings us to the point of death, we need to be careful to understand that that's not what we're being called to. And in some ways, it's more dangerous. You see, because what's happening around you right now What's happening around us here in our culture here in America is you're not going to die. You're just going to lose face or you're going to lose friends or you're going to lose the ability to give yourself completely to the kingdom of God. Unless, unless you do what the world wants. That's what you're being told. And there are idols being set up around us every day. Things that want to draw our attention away from God and his kingdom and what he's called us to into other things. And so if we're going to stand, we need to understand that we are standing where our lives aren't on the line. Our lives aren't on the line, but our souls are. Our eternity is. And so how do we stand in the face of uh, in the face of people who of opposition to our faith? How do we stand up? I know one mother right now who uh, struggled because her daughter wanted her to walk wanted her mother to walk her down the aisle as she was married to another woman. And the mother said, "I can't do it." And she called me in tears. I'm going to lose my daughter. I don't want to lose her again. I just got her back. Listen, if we are going to stand 
in the midst of a world that opposes what we believe, there's going to be loss. There's going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. Someday there might be death on the line for those of us here in America. But know this, around the world there are many for whom death is on the line now. And pray for them. Pray for them. Back to the story. So how do we stand? Listen to how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond to Nebuchadnezzar. And from this, and from our passage in 1 Peter, I want to give you just a couple of lessons. Okay? Here we go. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. What we need to understand, if we're going to stand, if we're going to stand in a world that opposes us, that opposes our faith, that opposes our belief, that opposes our ability to stand up and to be Christ's people building Christ's kingdom, if we're going to stand, We've got to stand with respect and we've got to stand with a heart of submission and we've got to stand for the truth. Now listen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing up for the truth, but they are not arrogant or unsubmissive. At, at no time do they say, King, you can't do to us what you want to do to us. At no time do they say, well, this isn't fair. You're not allowed to do this. You can't treat us like that. No, the king has absolutely every right to treat them like this. And they don't stand there and tell him how, how unjust he is for doing so. They submit themselves to the punishment the king has offered in order to live rightly. Here's the thing. People around you are going to threaten you and they're going to tell you that you are going to suffer for doing right. And you know what? You might. But if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on a cross and rose on the third day, then you believe that it's going to be okay. But in the meantime, we might have to submit ourselves to some pain, to some struggle, to some mistreatment, to some unjust consequences. Far too many Christians today want to stand up here in America for their right to be free, their right to live out their faith, rather than accept that a heart of submission says, yes, I have that right, but I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be unkind. I'm not going to be unloving. Yes, I will stand for truth, but I will do so 
with grace. <clears throat> so, if we're going to stand, we need to stand for truth. We need to be clear about truth. There's no mincing words here. But we need to accept that the world may not agree. We need to accept that there may be some among us who call themselves believers who don't agree. When we stand for the truth and we stand for what's right, we have to do so with grace. Complete grace and submission, allowing other people to make their own decisions about what they will choose to do with the truth we're standing on. Listen, if, if you are like me in your nature, you're argumentative. And I know there are plenty, plenty of Christians out there because I see your posts. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Arguing people into the kingdom of heaven is a bad idea. Loving them into the kingdom of heaven can change eternity for you and them. When the world tells us it's not okay to believe what we believe or that we have to bow down to an idol and we say no, we don't do it with arrogance. We don't do it mean. We don't do it with disrespect. In fact, in our good deeds, they will be so exceptional that when the visitation comes, those around us won't be able to help but praise God. Because we loved. Because we loved like Jesus loved. If you believe Jesus is Lord of all, then you need to obey his command to love others the way he loved you. See, it's in this. It's, it's not just in, in standing up that we draw people to Jesus. It's in standing up with respect and kindness and love that we draw other people to Jesus and into the kingdom of God. And even when they rail against us, even when they call us, they call us out and they, they push against us and they say things against us that aren't true, even when they are unjust, we are kind and generous and respectful. And because of that, that is what is going to change their hearts because the king does exactly what he says he will do. In fact, as, as I was telling you, he builds up the fire even hotter, and then he takes some of his strongest men who are themselves a little bit afraid of the fire, and as we'll read, for good reason, and he has them throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. He gave the orders to build up the fire seven times more, and then he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of that fire slew the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fire was so hot, it burned the men, throwing them into the furnace. Burned them up. 
they died from the heat as they threw these three men in. The king's anger was so um, so hot, <laughs> to use a metaphor, that he killed some of his most valiant warriors in his own pride and arrogance. And at no time do we read that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fought the judgment. They accepted the punishment. They accepted the king's choice. They accepted the king's right to make the choice. But, verse 23, these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. And he said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? And they replied, Certainly, O king. And he said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Will you turn back with me to First Peter real quick? Chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, it's very likely that Peter is talking about the second coming there, but maybe he's talking about the times when Jesus shows up. The times when Jesus shows up in the midst of our punishment, in the midst of other people taking advantage of us, in the midst of other people treating us poorly. Sometimes Jesus shows up. Sometimes his miracles arrive. Sometimes we get the miracle now. Sometimes the miracle will come at the second coming. Whatever our miracle, we want to live such good lives that even when we are slandered for doing the right thing, we've been so good and so right that when Jesus is there, our captors, our punishers, our misjudgers, those who treat us poorly for doing the right thing, are transformed. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's high officials gathered around and saw that they had no fire touching their bodies. Not a hair on their head was singed, nor their trousers damaged. The smell of the fire, there wasn't even a smell of smoke on them. Now listen, I promise you, if you get that in that hot of fire and things start burning up, you get smoke smell. Have you ever experienced smoke smell? It stays with you forever. I had a fire in my dorm room when I was in college, and my books that were in that room, if you open them up, they still smell like smoke almost 30 years later. And yet... These men didn't even get the smell of smoke. Nowhere did the punishment, did the judgment of others touch them. Only the judgment of God. And Nebuchadnezzar responded, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve any 
or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses reduced to rubbish heap, inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. Who will deliver you from my hand? Nebuchadnezzar asked. (laughs) Well, our God will. Listen, as we walk in a world that does not support our faith, as we live in a world that is not for the kingdom of God, as more and more the world around us here in America turns on us, we need to first recognize that Christians all over the world are going through this and worse, far worse than we experience. We need to, we need to know that the way to stand is to stand for truth with grace, for truth with grace. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. You see, brother and sister, our faith is based in the truth of who Jesus is. And if we use that truth, as a battering ram against our enemies. We're just bullies. But when we use that truth and we turn that truth and we give that truth to others with the grace that comes from knowing Jesus has given us grace, it's then that they will stand up and give praise to God. How do we stand? Stand firm on the truth, fully, completely embraced, surrounded by grace. Stand on the truth, surrounded by grace. That's how we stand. And in doing so, the world will be changed. And even if it's not, God will be glorified. We want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining. 